Psalm chapter 7. Psalm, and then we'll come back and and we'll kind of break it up a little bit. Today I was uh, at a meeting and I was talking to some of the other pastors and I was saying, hey, when you taught through the book of Psalms, you know, how did you guys do it? Because I, I find it challenging, you know, going over multiple chapters at the same time. And I was kind of blessed. One of the pastors said, you know what? It took me three years to go through the Psalms and I just taught one chapter each night. So, you know, the bottom line is at the end of the day, when we're studying the Psalms, um, we just have to be spirit led, right? If God wants us to go over three Psalms, two Psalms, one, it doesn't matter. What matters most is that we would really have the book of Psalms in our life. It's such an important book. So many prophecies, so many, you know, specific situations that we're going to deal with in our life. What if, what if you became such a, an educated Christian, that you knew exactly where to run to uh, if you're going through this particular situation where you're, it's a physical danger or something's going on with your kids or something's, you know, people are talking about you or, you know, you need a particular psalm for the morning, the evening. What if you knew the psalms that well? Uh, if we study and if we try, I believe God can do things like that because remember, like I said, I think it was week one, I said for every sigh there's a psalm for everything you're going through god has an answer here in this book and so uh today we're going to go through one chapter um in january maybe we'll start picking it up more you know when pastor chuck thought taught through the psalms he would do 15 chapters in one night it took him 10 hours but you know (laughs) i figured you guys wouldn't let me do that (laughs) no psalm 7 look what it says Uh, it says a meditation of david which he sang to the Lord concerning the words of Cush, a Benjamite. O Lord, my God, in you I put my trust. Save me from all those who persecute me and deliver me, lest they tear me like a lion, rending me in pieces while there is none to deliver. O Lord, my God, if I have done this, if there is iniquity in my hands, if I have repaid evil to him who was at peace with me or have plundered my enemy without cause, let the enemy pursue me and overtake me. Yes, let him trample my life to the earth and lay my honor in the dust. Salah. Arise, O Lord, in your anger, lift yourself up because of the rage of my enemies. Rise up for me to the judgment you have commanded so the congregation of the people shall surround you for, for their sakes. Therefore, return on high. The Lord shall judge the peoples. Judge me, O Lord, according to my righteousness and according to my integrity within me. Oh, let the wickedness of the wicked come to an end, but establish the just. For the righteous God tests the hearts and minds. My defense is of God who saves the upright in heart. God is a just judge and God is angry with the wicked every day. If he does not turn back, he will sharpen his sword. He bends his bow and makes it ready. He also prepares for himself instruments of death. He makes his arrows into fiery shafts. Behold, the wicked brings forth iniquity 
Yes, he conceives trouble and brings forth falsehood. He made a pit and dug it out and has fallen into the ditch which he made. His trouble shall return upon his own head and his violent dealing shall come down on his own crown. I will praise the Lord according to his righteousness and I will sing praise to the name of the Lord Most High. And so imagine if I said to you one day, I said, hey, I got, I got a little, uh, I don't know, a little uh, challenge for you. Will you fight a lion? How many of you here would run? <laughs> I say, okay, there's a cage right there. I want you to go in, Henry. And there's a lion right there. Manny, you know, Robert, Reuben, I want you to fight a lion. Well, that's what we're doing. We're fighting lions. You know, we're fighting the lion. And, and, in, and I think even in the church, what's going on, it, it talks about if, if, if it wasn't for the Lord, if it wasn't for me trusting in him, if it wasn't for me praying the way that I should, then the lion would maul me and tear me to pieces. And there would be none to deliver me. I think there are a lot of people like that, even in the church. This is a heavy, heavy chapter, you know. It's a meditation of David, which he sang to the Lord concerning, it says in verse 1, the words of of Cush, uh, a Benjamite. Now, we don't know who Cush is, but we do know that Saul was of the tribe of Benjamin, right? And so, uh, more than likely, it's someone on Saul's side uh, of the same tribe who's maybe speaking lies about David and justifying King Saul's pursuit of him. And you guys remember that part of his life. 13 years, at least 13 years, David was on the run and Saul was after him, right? And so more than likely, this is the background to what's going on. We know that, you know, David was chased by Saul who tried to kill him. And so what do you do when someone wants To kill you, you get a gun. Or you kill them. What did David do? He prayed. That's what this is. Psalm 109, verse 24, it says, When you turn from my love, they are my accusers. But I give myself to prayer. Have you ever done that? Have you ever given yourself to prayer? Maybe the situation that you're going through right now, that's all God's wanting you to do. A lot of times what ends up happening when we're going through the difficulties is we, you know, we fight fire with fire and we retaliate. And, and I think that what we're going to learn as we go through the Psalms, because really all the songs are prayers. And that's what we need to do. David, in his prayer, he tells the Lord, you know, in you I put my trust. Here's another question for you. Do you tell the Lord that? Do you tell the Lord that? Hey, Daddy, uh, Papa, I just want you to know I trust you. I know, Lord, this is a tough situation and, you know, things going on with my my kids and, you know, my, my dog and, you know, my life and my job and, you know, my body. But, Daddy, I want you to know I 
trust you. What do you think that your father would, how, how would that make him feel? I mean, how would God feel? I mean, what would that do to him if you went home and you said to him, I trust you, Lord? That's what David is saying right here. It's interesting, the particular Hebrew word translated trust, it means to seek refuge. It means to flee for protection, uh, to confide or hope in God. It's the same word in the Hebrew used of Ruth when Boaz said to her in Ruth chapter 2 verse 12, he says, The Lord repay your work and a full reward be given to you by the Lord God of Israel under whose wings you have come for refuge. You know, a lot of times we're fighting over here and God is just saying, well, what I want you to do is you come over here, you get under me that's what Ruth did. She, she really fled to, to the Lord for refuge. That's what we need to do. When we trust the Lord, we seek refuge from the Lord under his wings. And it's a, it's a really good visual for the concept of trust. And that is coming under his wings. And I, have, I think we have a picture right here of, um, of a hen and, and the little chicks. And that's a really cool little picture. I don't know if you guys can see it that well from where you are. But man... Um, she looks, the little chick, you know, just looks so, you know, didn't, I mean, this is God, okay? I know that hand doesn't look tough, okay? But that's God. And you're just nestled in there, you know? And David is saying, I'm on the run. His armies are after me. I'm in the cave of Adullam. I mean, I, I got the whole nation against me because of this guy, Cush, who's maybe spoken these things about me that aren't true. But Lord, I know where I am. That's where I'm at, where I am. You know, it's interesting. Uh, we need, however, to trust God. If you don't trust him, then you don't have that type, of, that type of peace. And I also believe you don't have that type of protection. There is something about believing. There is something about trusting. There is something, we're not naming and claiming it, but there is something about, you know, just taking the Lord for who he is. You know, it's interesting what Jesus said in Matthew twenty three thirty seven when he wept over Jerusalem. He said, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the one who kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to her. How often I wanted to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings. But you were not willing. God said, I wanted to protect you. I wanted to save you from that. He even wept over them. He said, but you were not willing. And so, you know, we need to trust him to save us from the penalty of sin. We need to trust him to save us from the power of sin. And we need to trust him to save us from people of sin. No matter what we experience. And you might even say, you know, you know, demons. I mean, that's how much we need to trust the Lord. And that's what David is doing here because he knew the agenda of the adversary and he knew that he was no match for the enemy. And I think you want to make sure that you know that. Look again at verse 2, if you would. It says, lest they tear me like a lion, rending me in pieces while there is none to deliver. You know, it's interesting, coming to a Bible study like this tonight can actually mean it might make a difference in someone's life so that you won't get tore up by the enemy. You know, right here, 
You can visualize the lion, you know, mauling a man, ripping him to pieces. Uh, Of course, no one can help him, right? That's what the enemy does, and I believe, every day. That's what he wants to do to you. Um, We know that passage in 1 Peter 5, 8, right? Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. And so that's what's going on. He's watching. Were you in the word today? No, I'm good. Oh, really? I didn't know you can beat up a lion right on, bro, you know. I mean, for me, I tell you what, I got to be in the word. And, you know, I don't know how much time you need in the word. I got five minutes. Really? That's it? Ten minutes. I don't know, man. Keep going. I mean, what about just soaking yourself in the word for an hour? How about something like that? Is that too much to ask? Yeah, I don't know, Manny, but, you know, I got some TV programs I got to watch and, you know, different things going on. And, you know, I've just learned and I and I have people praying for me. I got a congregation praying for me. I have, you know, been a Christian for a long time. By the grace of God, I've been able to even teach. And that means that I was forced to study. And I have so been so blessed, but I can't go out and face the lion without first soaking myself in the word. And I'm not talking about reading books. That, that's just pure Bible. You want to read all the other stuff? That's cool, but it's not as good as the Bible. See, this lion, he wants to, to rend me in pieces. And the only one that can help me is God. So I need to be sober. I need to be vigilant. You know, we actually read uh, about the evil lion frequently in the book of Psalms. For example, in Psalm 10.9, it says, He lies in wait secretly as a lion in his den. He lies in wait to catch the poor, and he catches the poor when he draws him into his net. Psalm 17, 11, and 12, They have now surrounded us in our steps. They have set their eyes crouching down to the earth as a lion is eager to tear his prey and like a young lion lurking in secret places. You know, I mean, David here knew the, the, the battle. He knew what was going on. He knew it was, it was Satan behind Saul. You know, I pray, you guys, that we would have a hunger for the Lord like never before. You know, David in verse 3, O Lord my God, if I have done this, if there is iniquity in my hands, if I have repaid evil to him who is at peace with me or have plundered my enemy without cause, let the enemy pursue me and overtake me. Yes, let him trample my life to the earth and lay my honor in the dust. Selah. Something interesting. There's different ways to be devoured. One of them is sin. And and David, he's an example for us because he was a man after God's own heart. The Bible says in Acts 13, 22, he wasn't sinless, but he was blameless. And we need to be blameless too. Because if you are living in sin, and that's what David is kind of saying here, if it is my fault, then let me die in shame. This is a heavy thought right here. It really is. You know, he in this particular situation, and you guys know Saul's situation, 
Now, David was nothing but submissive. He really, there, there was no mutiny in his heart. There was not an inkling of it inside of him. Nothing. He was pure. He was blameless. So we're going to see later. God looks at the, mar- the heart. He looks at the mind. He sees the soul. He sees everything inside of us. David, man, you guys, he's such a good example for us. I mean, to really, to clean house. David says, when it comes to this, I, I, I'm blameless, Lord. And he shares that with the Lord. And remember, I've, I've shared with you guys one of the things that we're going to learn in, 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 in reading the Psalms is that we can reason with God through our prayers. We can say, Lord, you know, this guy's out to get me. And there's different ways of praying it. You can pray, Lord, you know, protect me. And then you move on. Or you can pray, Lord, I've been living the best that I can. I've I know I have integrity. I'm blameless in this situation. See, that's when you're talking more. That's when you're reasoning with God. And, and what that shows is faith. That's the kind of prayer life that we should have. We should be dialoguing with the Lord. We really should. But, but, but it's interesting here, David, you know, just in case, I think it's noble that he asks God to show him Notice there again in verse 3, if I have done this, if there is iniquity in my hands, if I have, you know, repaid evil to him who was at peace with me or have plundered, you know, and he's asking God if he's done wrong and if he had, then he says, and it's okay, Lord, with justice being done and him dying disgracefully. And and when I think of this right here, again, I want to challenge you tonight you know, um, sometimes we find ourselves in, in dramatic situations and, and contentions with people. And, and bottom line is, you know, we don't really ask God to show us where we might be wrong. And we should. Oh, I can't believe that guy or that, that Manny or that whoever it is. And, and, and have you ever, just out of curiosity, have you ever just got on your knees and said, Lord, if there's anything that I've done wrong or I haven't done right, Lord, show me. We should. Because he sees everything, right? And, and, and you know, to me, you've got to be a man of integrity to be able to say, and if I have done wrong, if I have done the crime, then I'm willing to do the time. Let me ask you a question. Do you listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit? Do you ever hear him say any secrets? Things that you never would have known about your own life unless you hadn't really checked the blind spot that is only revealed when you're listening to the Lord. You know, that's our problem, I think, a lot of times. And that's why we're not growing is because that next step is something that only God can show you when you're really listening to him. And so, you know, David is asking questions. If I did the crime, Lord, I'll do the time. We need to man up and own up to the things that we've done wrong. And again, it's not that David thought he was sinless. It's just that he knew he was blameless. And and if you're not blameless, then, then start being blameless. You know, when you read Job 31, and we, I was going to read it, but verses 1 through 23, it's the same thing. Lord, if I've done this, if I've done this, if I've done this, Lord. And then so we have to search our hearts 
In this situation, uh, David was blameless, and so he prays. Look again at verse 6. Arise, O Lord, in your anger. Lift yourself up because of the rage of my enemies. Rise up for me to the judgment you have commanded. So the congregation of the people shall surround you for their sakes. Therefore, return on high. You know, it it was as if David visualized the Lord as a judge that needed to rise up and execute justice. You know, uh, and of course we know God is a just God, but there is something that is true in the Bible that he responds to our petitions, right? And 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 he prays right here, Lord, rise up, that the people would be ruled by the Lord, really, and not the wicked. You know, it's interesting, when you look at this, it wasn't just for David, it was also for the the people's sakes. Notice again right there in, in, in verse 6, Arise, O Lord, in your anger. Lift yourself up because of the rage of my enemies. Rise up for, for me to the judgment you have commanded. So the congregation of the peoples shall shall surround you. And what's that talking about? That's talking about the Lord ruling them again for their sakes. Therefore, return on high. And you know, if it is the situation with Saul, you guys remember that prior to Saul, who was king? The Lord. It was a theocracy. It wasn't a monarchy. They were actually led by God. Then Saul steps into the picture And he starts ruling, and it's almost like David is saying, you go back to being the king over your people. And that's what he's he's praying right here. You know, um, when you look at this, it's interesting how it wasn't just for David, it was also for the people. Something that's important for us as leaders to always have in our hearts. And I just think it's so cool how he asks the Lord to return on high. To return on high. You know, when you look at that right there, what you find is that the Lord, you know, when I, when I was reading this uh, today in my New Testament reading, I finished the, the New Testament and I was in the book of Revelation. And, uh, and it, it, this is what, it, it, when I read this, this is what I thought of. Revelation chapter 22 and verse 20. It says, He who testifies to these things says, Surely I am coming quickly. Amen. Even so, come, Lord Jesus. And, and, and when you read the book of Revelation, you guys know just the way that the Lord is returning to judge the, the, the wicked, to judge the sin, to judge the evil. And it is getting crazy out there, you know, in the world. We don't even know. We don't even know how bad it is. You know, there's a book I'm reading right now. It's available back there. I had mentioned it a couple of Sundays ago. It's called Standing in the Fire uh, by Tom Doyle. And it is an amazing book about all the things going on in the Middle East today. And uh, it's all the, the wickedness. But then even the Lord moving. But you guys know there is crazy things going on. ISIS. And you guys know this. I know you know this. Sometimes we don't. Remember, but they find Christian girls and they rape them every day. 
You know, you, you, uh, you, you, know, you re- look at the city uh, in, in Syria, and you've got two sides of, of uh, Islam against Christianity. They're just looking for Christian girls to rape and then often kill. Um, you know, you look at the city, I think it's Homs. It used to be 700,000. Now it's down to 200,000. And all the Christians are fleeing. And I was reading this story about these two pastors that have decided to stay and minister there. And it's just, you know, we're over here. We're having a great time. You know, we're, I don't know, drinking our eggnog. You know, we're just having this great life. And you guys, all around the world, all around the world, the wickedness of what's taking place is just overwhelming. And so... When I was reading this psalm, this is just for me. This is what I was thinking, Lord. Return on high. I'll do whatever I can, Lord, and I want to make a difference. I want people to to go to heaven. But Lord, the, the numbers and the way that evil is escalating exponentially, you're the only answer. And what this psalm, it reminded me of, David is just saying, return on high. That's how I feel. I think we have a picture of that city in Syria. And, you know, I just, if you can, read a book like that. You know, my father-in-law used to tell me, educate yourself. That's what he would tell me. (laughs) You know, find out what's going on, you know, because it is just devastating all around the world. You know, David saw the need for the nation of Israel then, How much more do we see the need for the world today? Look at verse 8. It says, The Lord shall judge the peoples. Judge me, O Lord, according to my righteousness and according to my integrity within me. Oh, let the wickedness of the wicked come to an end. But establish the just, for the righteous God tests the hearts and minds. And it's a challenging thing. You know, to me, I I pray that you wouldn't just read it and and not even think about it. You know, he says, Lord, you know my integrity. You know my heart. You know my mind. What about your integrity? What about your heart? What about your mind? If, If all the things that you entertain, the thoughts that you think, if they were all exposed to everyone... What does God really feel about what's going on inside of us? David here, he was just a man who really loved the Lord. You know, when I read this, I was compelled to honestly look deep within myself. What if God dealt with us according to the the thoughts that we think and according to the, you know, maybe we have hate in our heart. Do you hate anyone? Do you think God is is good with that? Because understand, it says right here, God tests the hearts and the minds. Have you ever done a deep cleaning? Any of you guys here ever uh, detailed your car, cleaned it like that? Any of you guys ever ever had it detailed? No? Man, I thought we were (laughs) at least have somebody, but... You know, and they go in there and they get the Q-tip and they, and they go in and they actually clean the, the, the air conditioning vents or whatever, the heater vents. You know, I mean, imagine like, you know, and, and so I'm kind of like an OCD guy. I think I would love that. If I could 
afford it, I probably would get my car detailed every week or something, you know. But um, I think that we need to detail our own lives by the grace of God, letting Jesus Christ come in and just saying, you know what? I am no longer content with settling with any sort of sin inside of me, Lord. Because you see my heart. You know my mind. David apparently was a guy that when God looked at his heart and his mind, he was okay. Because he, homeboy, he loved the Lord. You know, he'd wake up in the morning, roll out of bed, get on his knees, pray. He'd go get his cup of coffee, whatever, spend time with God. You know, he'd be asking him for marching orders. Lord, this is your day. I am your man. What do you want me to do today? You know, singing those psalms, I mean, writing over 73 psalms, do you think that there's something special and significant about that? Absolutely. He wasn't a perfect man, but he loved the Lord. You know, uh, right here, this is the, in the NIV, Psalm 7, verse 9, the righteous God who probes minds and hearts. Psalm 7, verse 9, the NLT, it says, For you look deep within the mind and heart, Oh, righteous God. You know, David was a man after God's own heart, according to Acts 13.22. And here's something that's interesting, too. His integrity was the leverage for his prayer life. Did you know that? There is something about being a man or woman of integrity that gives power to your prayers. Because we know in the end, God answered David's prayer, right? And whether it was Absalom's situation or it was a Saul situation, you know, God dealt with these guys that came against David. You know, and you might say, well, it was just the Lord. No, it wasn't probably just the Lord. It was probably a combination of David praying to the Lord. And that's why it's so important, you know, that we pray. You know, he, he says, Lord, please bring justice for the people. Lord, please bring justice for me. Lord, please bring an end to the wickedness of the wicked. It's a great prayer. In verse 10, he says, my defense is of God who saves the upright in heart. And God is the just judge and God is angry with the wicked every day. You know, I mean, just learning, you know, how many of you here, you want a powerful prayer life? We want that, huh? And so, you know, I know it's grace. Don't misunderstand me. But I think God honors obedience. God will be a great defense to those who practice obedience, right? It says right here in verse 10 that he saves the upright in heart. But it also says in verse 11 that although God loves everyone, we read here in Psalm 7, 11, that God is angry with the wicked every day. So next time you pass a 7, 11, just think of Psalm 7, 11. I always do. I've known this verse for a long time. Psalm 7, 11, God is angry with the wicked every day. Let me ask you a question. Do you believe that? Do you believe that God is angry with the wicked every day? 
You know, some people, they're like, nah, God's not angry with the wicked every day. Come on, man. He God loves everybody. He does love everybody. But when they do what they do, when you got these dads, they, you know, they father children and they're never there to follow up on any of that. God is angry with that. When you've got this man, he's beaten his wife. Let me tell you something. God is angry with that. When you got a, a father, he's stealing from, you know, taken away from his family to go support his drug habit. You know, God is angry with that. I mean, when you got guys having an affair, I mean, I'm picking on the guys, you know, but, you know, girls do bad things too. God is angry with those types of activities every single day, right? And so we got to know this healthy, as Christians, a healthy view of who God is. How do we know uh, how God is? How, how do we know how God is? By the Bible. That's how we know, right? Like, oh no, I thought I was the one that determined, you know, what kind of God we have. No, it's the Bible, right? And what I encourage you to do when you get a chance, read Exodus 33 and 34. And what you'll find is that there was a day when Moses was saying, Lord, you know, you said you're going to go with us, but you never really showed me who you are. And so, Lord, show me your way. Show me your way. And then the Lord said, well, no one can see me and live, but this is what I'll do, Moses. I'll tuck you in the cleft of the rock And then when I pass by, you'll be able to see, you know, my afterglow. But but what is interesting when when you read the Bible, it's not really show me God is show me your way. Show me your way. What kind of God? what, What what kind of God are you? What how is you? How do you, you know, operate? And then when you read that passage there, when God finally did reveal himself to Moses, he passed by, Moses saw his afterglow, and the Lord just said, I'm long-suffering, I'm forgiving, I'm patient, but I by no means clear the guilty. If you're guilty and you don't come to Christ, then you'll never get away with it. Then you're going to have to deal with, with God's justice you're going to have to deal. Does God have a temper? Read the book of Revelation, man. It's crazy. When you read the, the prophets, when you read the Bible, God is angry with them. He loves them and he died for them. But let me tell you something, man. When you, when you really understand that he's not only a loving savior, but he's also a just judge, then it's a, it's a life-changing truth. I mean, it's crazy. In verse 12, it says, if he does not turn back, that's meaning if the sinner doesn't change, then God will sharpen his sword. He bends his bow and makes it ready. It's almost like he's aiming and he prepares for himself instruments of death. He makes his arrows into fiery shafts. I mean, you know, imagine that. They don't want to change. So God's got his arrow there. Last I checked, he's a pretty good shot. I mean, the only way out is Christ. You know, if you don't know the Lord, if you haven't given your heart to the Lord, then you got to do that tonight. I pray that you would, because if you don't, then you will experience what you deserve. 
And like I read today, and for whatever reason, it hit me again in Revelation 20, and whoever's name was not found in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Let me ask you a question. Is your name in the book of life? The only way that you can have your name in the book of life is if you give your life to Jesus Christ. That's what this whole Christmas thing is all about, man. He came to save us. You know, what we find is that if not, we're in big trouble. God is preparing these weapons. And you might wonder, well, why would God do such a thing? Notice verse 14, if you would. Look, it says, it says, Behold, the wicked brings forth iniquity. Yes, he conceives trouble and brings forth falsehood. And the image here is of the wicked giving birth to sin, troubles, and lies. He, he conceives it, you know? I mean, it's almost like, it's almost like it, it wasn't here until he gave birth to it. And so what we need is for God to intervene so that they can stop giving birth to all the crazy things that we see going on around the world we, we have today. You know, the, the wicked in, intentions of men, the wicked inventions of men. You know, I don't know if you guys have ever thought this one through, but some of the crazy things that we have brought into the world that have created so much pain. I mean, I was thinking of the uh, Ebola virus. Uh, That right there is a virus that is actually a man-made virus that's a weapon of biological warfare. Uh, Just within two to three days of contact, the victims will then experience muscle pain, headaches, rashes, internal bleeding, and eventually death. There's no way to stop it. I mean, man invented the Ebola virus. I mean, you think of things like landmines still around today, mustard gas, the atom bomb, the nuclear bomb. But you want to know what I think is the worst uh, invention? I'm not sure, you know, but this is just something that I've seen because I've gone to uh, Almani, the court, and I'll just sit there. Let's just say I'm there to to support somebody, you know, who's going to be standing before the judge Every single drug case, crystal meth. To me, crystal meth is one of the the worst and most evil inventions in the history of the world. It's crazy. And what we're trying to say is, Lord, come. So they can stop giving birth to things like this. And I was watching videos today and testimonies of 13-year-olds and 14-year-olds and 16-year-olds. I, I think we might even have some pictures of the before and after and maybe not. But, you know, you see before they're just beautiful. They're beautiful. They got their whole life ahead of them. And then after the drug gets a hold of their life. I mean, they were talking about, you know, things mixed with rat poison and driveway cleaner. And we're talking about things. And I was reading one story about this one family because you guys know they, they make it right. They make it in their homes or whatever they call them, labs, and they put it all together. And then, you know, sometimes they'll put some of the stuff in the refrigerator. I was reading this one testimony about one mom. She didn't realize that it would permeate the rest of her food in the fridge And so she gave the cheese to her three-year-old. 
you know, she didn't know because she's all high that it affected them. By the time, you know, she did realize that, you know, her three-year-old was, was dying. It took her two hours to take the three-year-old to a hospital that was five minutes away because of that drug. And the three-year-old died. And I can't tell you story. I'm not going to tell you a story about people who have killed themselves, hung themselves. And, and all I'm saying is this, Lord, come, return on high. I mean, that the, the wickedness would end. That's all, all David is saying right here, you know? I mean, Jesus come and, and he will, and he will get the last word. Justice will prevail. Evil will end. And David describes what ends up happening in verses 15 through 16. You know how the it, in the end the, the devil and all his followers uh, they end up you know getting basically what they wanted to dish out. The, definitely fifteen and sixteen where it says he made a pit and dug it out, fawn into the ditch which he made. His trouble shall return upon his own head, and his violent dealing shall come down on his own crown. You know what? If you want a visual for that, you go over to the book of Esther. Remember Haman? He built a gallows 75 feet high. And he says, I'm going to get Mordecai because he is a representative of the people of God. I'm going to get the people of God. And you guys remember the whole story? And at the end, they hung him on it, huh? That's why it's so important that we make sure we follow Christ. Then at the end, and I think I mentioned it on Sunday, you know, it's kind of cool to, to be on the right side. I, I love the way that David ends this in verse 17. I will praise the Lord according to his righteousness and will sing praise to the name of the Lord Most High. So imagine yourself as we close tonight, we'll have the musicians come up. Imagine yourself in the middle of a really, really, you know, crazy situation, whatever it might be. You know, for David, he's on the run because Saul wants to kill him, man. He's got the whole nation and army against him. But imagine that you go through this whole thing and what do you do? You pray. You really pray. I mean, you give it to God. You give your children to God. You give your situation to God. And, and, and then God provides such a peace through that prayer that you end up singing in the end. Imagine that. And that, that's kind of what he says right here in verse 17. I will praise the Lord according to his righteousness and I will sing praise to the name of the Lord Most High. And that's what we need to do. And I think that that's what happens when we really give these things to the Lord. I don't know what you're going through, but do you guys know that, 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 that passage that says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything through prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And what does it say? And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard our hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. That's what this song is all about. And that justice will prevail, that Jesus will come, and that we would have a peace knowing that in our hearts. In the middle of all the insanity, David sang. He had a peace. Why? Because he prayed.